You know, as we've looked at this book in the Old Testament called Jonah, if you've been here every week and maybe if you've read through the book, you've found out that we have something in common with Jonah. All of us, at one time or another in life, have been runners. I've run from God. You've run from God. Maybe that's what you're doing right now. Maybe you're at a point in your life where that's happening. And every week that we've talked about this idea of running away from God but getting nowhere, we've come back to this thought that you can run away from God, but you can't get away from God. He's going to find you wherever you are. He's going to pursue you just like he did Jonah. And even when you don't think he's there, he is. If you have a chance to read through this book of Jonah, I wish we could have gone verse by verse by verse through this whole book. It's a powerful story from God that that we all need to have in our lives. So if you have one of those Bibles, you just turn to page 644 and read and you're done. It's on page 644 and that's it. It's like a 20 minute read. But take some time this week and sit down and read that story. See, the story ended happy for Jonah's brothers, but not quite the same for their big brother Jonah. See, Jonah ended up doing at the end of the story what we read about him doing at the beginning of the story. He was still running. You know, there's a lot of Jonah in a lot of us that we we know what God's will is, or know what we're supposed to do, but then run in the opposite direction. And then still feel like life's really not getting anywhere. See, because this story ends with Jonah doing the same thing he was doing at the beginning. Well, I, I can think of my life and think, there have been times when I felt like I was doing something. I felt like a lot was going on. I felt like I was running in a direction. But then one day I, I take an inventory and realize I'm not getting anywhere. And you may encounter that yourself. You may, you, maybe you've been married for 20 years and you feel like we've got nowhere. You've had the same job for 10 years and you're thinking, I'm working, 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 but I'm not getting anywhere. And you just feel like the wheels are spinning, 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 like like life is just running by. Like you're in your 20s and in 30s, all of a sudden it's the 40s and you're counting how many days you got left now. And, and, And life is different because you just feel like I'm running, but I'm just not getting anywhere. When we picked up the story of Jonah a few weeks ago, Jonah heard from God. He heard God say, you need to go to these people of Nineveh. Jonah's a prophet. That's what prophets did. They heard from God, and then they delivered the message. Well, Jonah heard the message and said, I don't think so. I'm going to go in the other direction. So he does. 2,500 miles, he runs in the opposite direction. He gets on a boat. There's a big storm. He's trying to get away from God. The sailors end up throwing him overboard, so the storm will calm down, and Jonah ends up in the belly of a big fish, a story that Disney couldn't even write. I mean, it kind of sounds like Disney when you write it. You know, a guy ended up in there, a Disney story like that, where, you know, a guy ends up in the belly of a big fish. But, but Jonah ended up in this place of darkness, and here was God still there with him. This story had huge impact on the world because Jesus even mentioned this story. Even though it sounds like, how could this happen? Is this just a fable? Jesus mentioned it in the New Testament. And as you read verse by verse through this short book, you'll start to think like I did. Jonah's life is my life. So Jonah is in this dark place and the fish pukes him up on the side of the, the, the shore. It's what the says this fish spit him back out. So here stands a guy with fish puke all over him. 
And then God comes to him again and says, Jonah, are you listening? And I'm sure he's like, I got you. You know, I am all ears. You know, I'm listening now. God, whatever you say, I'll do it. And Jonah is where we left him last week, standing on the shore, probably looking ridiculous, thanking God for sticking with him instead of sticking it to him. And Jonah realizes what any of us realize when we've been far away from God. And then we find God or God finds us again is that we all need to be rescued. And Jonah said, you, O God, rescued me from the depths. When he realizes God had rescued him, God says, go speak to these people in the city of Nineveh. They need to repent, which means turn and walk in a new direction. So God is saying, you need to go tell these people, they need to turn and live in a new way. The direction they're going in is not working. They need to turn and go in a new way. Now, this is Jonah speaking to, God's asking him to speak to his enemies. I mean, he's not going to get a lot of pats on the back. Can you imagine going up to your greatest enemy and saying, you need to repent? I mean, you're probably not going to win that argument. If you don't get a bloody nose, I mean, you're probably not going to get spoken to again. So here's Jonah listening again, going, okay, God, I'll go, knowing he's not going to get pats on the back, knowing that it's what's needed and it's what God's asking but it's going to make him really uncomfortable to go speak to these people about their life. So we pick up the story there. When Jonah has agreed, okay, I'll go. Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. So they said, you know what? We're we're, we're done. We're not going to live this way anymore. He says, the city's going to be destroyed. Okay, we're going to turn we're going to live in a new way. And culturally, they would, they would declare fast and said, nobody eats. Nobody eats until you can focus on what's important. They put on burlap or sackcloth, it's called in some places. And people still practice that in that culture even today. Just means they're mourning over the life they lived and saying, God, we're sorry. We don't want, don't want to live that way anymore. And when you read this in Jonah chapter 3, it kind of sounds like, wow, that, that was pretty easy. What was Jonah running for? All he had to do was say, repent, or the city's going to be destroyed. And now the king has everybody repent. The king says, everybody's got to repent. And and if people do genuinely repent, you think, well, that's easy. From the least to the greatest. All they had to hear was Jonah saying, repent, walk in a new way, and everything changed. Why is it that when we're at our lowest, we seem to be the most open to God? Because these people were at a low point in their lives. See, why is it that when everything's going well in my life, it's really easy for me just to, just to kind of go through life and not really think that much about God because things are going great. There's a lot of money in the bank. I don't have a lot of bills. Uh, relationships are going great. And then something happens and your, your, your legs get kicked out from under you and the, the wind gets knocked out of you. And before you know it, you're by your bed. Oh, God, here, I, God, I hope you're still here because I'm back. I, I mean, we're at our lowest and then we cry out to God, and that's what these people were doing. They were at a low point. What you can't tell from Scripture, 
but you can tell from reading secular history, is the people of Nineveh were going through some difficult times when Jonah shows up and says, you need to change the way you live. A couple of things were happening to these people. One thing was, you can tell from secular history, there were plagues all over that part, uh, all over that region during this time. People were dying and nobody knew why. People were getting diseases all of a sudden and just dropping dead, and they didn't know why. So they were figuring, we, we must be doing something wrong. What's the matter? There's a curse on us. People in our city are dying. Another thing that you can tell from history is there was a solar eclipse about this time. And that was, a, that was like a bad omen then. I mean, you, you solar eclipse is like, oh my gosh, you know, something bad's about to happen. You know, the sun got blocked out. Some, some God's angry with us. So they were concerned about that. And then the king gets word that all the enemies, all the people they had picked on for decades... All these other smaller nations they had killed and beat up and destroyed and and stolen things from them and taken them into slavery, they all decided to get together. And they thought, you know, if we get together, we can defeat these mean Assyrians, these Ninevites. And the king got word that in less than 100 days, all of his enemies were going to be descending upon his city to destroy them. So here they are at a low point, maybe like you are today at at a low point. And people are the most open to God when they're the lowest. And then here Jonah walks in, this prophet from God, when these people are already low. God's already working on their heart. Jonah didn't see that. You can't tell it from reading his story. But God was already working on them. And then Jonah shows up and says, you guys need to change the way you live. And they did it. And when they did that, here's what God did. When God saw what they had done and how they would put up put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So here's a whole city living in the wrong direction, and they turned it around. Can you imagine a whole city turning around at the same time? The same thing God did for them, he'll do for us. The same thing. If you're living in the wrong direction and you know it, and you know you're running from God, the same way God was willing, he was waiting on the Ninevites to turn and walk in that new direction, he stands there waiting on you to do the same thing, to turn around and walk in a new direction. And if you're running in the opposite direction from God, you know it already. You're you're not sitting there going, oh yeah, I, I was running, I didn't even know it. You know it. This is not news to you. It's probably not news to people around you. These people all turn to God. And you would think one of God's prophets, one of his chosen prophets to speak to the people of Israel, Jonah, would come out of the city jumping for joy saying, God, look at that. All I said was one sentence. I mean, I'm mean, I, I, I'm a teacher too. Not quite the level of Jonah, but I'm a teacher. And I, one sentence? Could you, we could all be at lunch right now. If everybody just responded with one sentence, you would think Jonah would come out, hey, I've got to write that down because I'm going to use that again. I mean, when I say something and I see people respond, it's like, okay, write that down six months. They won't remember. I'll say it again. You know, so I imagine Jonah would just come out of there being so happy, but he doesn't. Listen to what it says about Jonah. In Jonah chapter 4, it says, this change of plans, this, this plan to wipe the city away, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became angry. See, Jonah had other plans for this city. He thought he was going to go in, ask him to repent. They would say no. He would go out, sit up on the hill by the city, and get a front row seat to their destruction because he didn't like those people. That's what he was hoping for. See, Jonah took it personal. He took it personal because Jonah was a chosen prophet from God. 
And God's prophets originally were to speak to the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And if you know anything about the nation of Israel and their history, they didn't listen to prophets. They either ignored them or they killed them. And obviously Jonah had just been mostly ignored up until this point. So he goes to these people who are supposed to be God's chosen people, the most godly people on earth, and he tells them, repent, you've got to change the way you're living. And they rebelled and they wouldn't do it. And it's just back and forth. They don't listen to the prophets. Jonah goes into these heathen people. These people live in this lifestyle. He can't wait to watch the fire and brimstone come down from heaven and wipe them off the face of the earth. And it doesn't happen. He's got to be thinking, well, God, now are the Ninevites going to be your favorite? I mean, I thought the Israelites were, and I'm one of them, and I've been speaking to them, and now these, these ungodly people, all of a sudden, uh, I mean, God, it, I mean, doesn't it feel good to be the favorite? Anybody, now tell the truth. Anybody ever been the favorite in your family? Come on. All right, several of us, I know how it feels. I get it. I mean, ask my brother and sister. They'll go, yeah, you know, because I'm like 10 years younger than them. He's like, like, yeah, he's the favorite. There's some good things about getting, being the favorite. You, you get more stuff, don't you? I mean, it's true. You just do. For whatever reason, you get more stuff. And you don't get in trouble for the same things they got in trouble for. That's so fun to, 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 to have happen. But so here's Jonah. He's, got, he's thinking he's part of God's favorite chosen people. And here are these other people he doesn't like. All of a sudden, he's got to be thinking, oh, no, I'm not the favorite anymore. I mean, I don't want to lose that status in my family. And Jonah's thinking, I don't, I don't want to lose that status. And they did lose it. Later on in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talked about how the Ninevites were going to be the people judging the Israelites. So here's what Jonah did. He was unhappy about it. Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are so eager to take your people back and not bring about destruction. See, Jonah knew something about God that these people didn't even know yet. Jonah knew that God was the eternal optimist. He knew that God was a God that he's always in your corner. No matter how bad things are going, no matter how bad you've blown it, no matter how far away you think the marriage is from being healed, God's saying, come on, just keep working at it. Don't give up. No matter how far away you are from getting out of debt, God is saying, look, you can do this. Be disciplined. I can help you. Just listen to what I say. You can do it. No matter how far down the road of addiction you have walked, God says you can turn around. You don't have to do that. And no matter how bad you've blown it in any area of life, God is that optimistic coach on the sidelines saying, you, you don't have to live this way. You, you, can, you can turn it around. Life can be different. And that's what these people of Nineveh began to experience. Jonah already knew it. He knew God was full of grace and mercy. And it turns out that a group of people who were living far away from God one day, the next, understood more about his grace and mercy than one of God's own prophets did. You, you, know, you know what grace, and you know the difference in grace and mercy? Grace is when you get something you don't deserve. If you, if you just give somebody something, they didn't earn it, no, just a gift, here you go. That is grace. And mercy is when you don't get 
what you do deserve. It's what, well, I remember when my kids were little, when they asked, but they wouldn't say the word mercy, but they said, da, 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 wait, 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 let, let me explain. Let me talk to you about it. Do your kids ever do that? They, they want to bargain. They want to, you know, and it, it depend on my mood. Sometimes I was merciful. Sometimes I was not. You know, in, in my, the last 26, whatever years of, of, uh, of driving, I've gotten a few tickets. Well, not even tickets. I, I've gotten actually one ticket, but I've gotten... 13 warning tickets. Oh, isn't it? 13 times. 13 times for whatever reason. I've never pulled the pastor card, I promise. But for whatever reason, I don't know if I have sad eyes or, you know, persuasive or what. I mean, to pull over and it's little things, a few miles, just a few miles over or something like that. And, and I get pulled over and 13 times for whatever reason, the officer saw fit to give me a warning. And it's been a long, it's been years since it's happened, but, but that, that was in the past. But a lot of warning, and for whatever reason, they chose to give me mercy. That's what God was doing for these people. Did they deserve death and destruction? Absolutely. They were evil, mean people. But God, in his wisdom, gave them grace and mercy, and they end up understanding more about the character of God than one of God's own prophets. And who better to speak about God's grace and mercy than those of us who have received it. And if you've received it, you know it. So Jonah is mad because God let these people have another chance. And the story says that he ran outside the city. So here's Jonah running again. He wanted to see the bad guys get it. He, he wanted to see somebody sock it to the bad guys. You know when you're in a movie and, and finally the good guy gets the villain? The place sometimes erupts in applause. I mean, when, you got, when Rocky knocked out Apollo Creed, if you were there, don't you remember? The, the place just erupted in applause when the Jedi Knights finally won. I mean, the place was full of applause because the bad guys got what was coming to them. And that's what Jonah hoped he was getting to see. The bad guys getting what they deserved. And so he gets so upset, he runs outside the city and just says, God, kill me now. Just let me die. And he's sitting outside the city in the space he hoped he would sit with happiness and enjoyment. These people were getting it socked to them. And and God sends this hot, hot wind in the desert. And Jonah begins to just feel the heat of the sun beating down on him. And here's Jonah again in an uncomfortable place, just like he was in the belly of the fish. And God provides comfort. Again, God causes this vine to grow up and grow over his head and provides shade. But then the same God that provided the vine took and the shade took it away. And now Jonah is upset and he still hasn't gotten his mind around the fact that God just saved 120,000 people and he's more concerned about his own comfort. He's more concerned about what he's getting. He's more concerned about getting outside of his comfort zone. See, running makes me focus on me. And God's saying, Jonah, don't you get it? There's 120,000 people that don't know their right from their left. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. They're scared. They're down. They think they're going to get defeated. The, the, The plagues and the eclipse, all that. And these people are scared, Jonah. Don't you get it? Don't you get that? That them turning to me is more important than you being comfortable? Don't you get that? And that's how the story ends. Not Jonah standing up saying, God, you are right. I have totally missed, I've missed it here. 
I, I quit running, I'm finished. No, it ends with Jonah angry on a hillside and God saying, these people are important. And the end of this story, there's a couple of blockbuster points that I hope I never forget. People matter to God and they should matter to me. God was concerned that these people didn't know which way they were going. And he was only asking Jonah to share what he had received. He had received God's grace and mercy. God could have left him to to be digested by the fish. And he didn't. He let the fish spit him out. I mean, he gave him another chance. And God's saying, now that you understand second chances, will you go tell those people about it? And he, he did, but he didn't want to. And it got the result God wanted, but not the result Jonah wanted. Jonah never got that people matter to God, so they should matter to him. Because there's more at work here. If God just wanted the people of Nineveh to be saved and to turn around, he could have just you know, yell it down from heaven. I mean, if I hear a big, loud voice coming from the sky, I'm going to do probably what it says, wouldn't you? I mean, all he had to do was yell, repent and let the earth shake a little bit, you know? Throw some wind and lightning in there, and they would have turned around like that. But there was more to it than just these people changing their ways. There was one of his prophets, one of his people, that he knew needed to change on the inside, and he was giving him another chance. Not only was he giving his grace and mercy to these evil people of Nineveh, he was giving it to Jonah as well. You know, one of the last things Jesus said when he was on earth is, He said, go and be my witness. And if you're a Christ follower, that's not an option. It's not an option to say, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. You know, I'll take Jesus, but that whole witness thing, makes me uncomfortable. I'm not sure sure I'm ready to do that. I got to like say things. You know, if, if you're here today and you're checking out God, you're checking out the church, and you're just trying to figure out what you believe about all that, then maybe these next couple of points aren't even for you. But hopefully one day they will be because you will finally begin a relationship with Christ. But for those of us that follow Christ, we need, to, we need to listen to this. We need to get what he wants us to get out of this story. People are more important than my comfort. It's much more important than that people get to know God than I'm comforted by a leaf over top of my head. And whatever it is that comforts you, whatever that is. Because Jonah said, God, I'm more concerned about this weed, this leaf, that brought me comfort than I am about all of those people. And God is saying to Jonah, you only care about the things that benefit you. And I have to ask myself the question, am I more concerned with my life and my comfort than I am with people who are far from God? I mean, my purchases, my decisions, my, my bank account, my stuff. Is that more important than people who are far from God? And, and maybe you're thinking of somebody. Oh, yeah, I know people who are far from God. Sure. I know them, but what would I say? Well, I, they're not ready. Look at their life. They couldn't be ready. If you had met me one day, just w- literally one day before I said, okay, I, I'm in. I, I buy this whole message about Jesus Christ. I get it. I'm, I've searched. I've explored, and I, I believe it now. If you had met me the day before I said that, you just said, that guy, I don't know. Have you listened to the way he talked? Have you heard the words that come out of his mouth? Have you seen how long his hair is? Look at the way he dresses. That was 1988, but he wears spandex. I mean, nobody should ever wear that again, you know, in the history, the rest of the world. Please don't ever wear that. But if you would have seen me the day before, you would have said, that guy's stay away. He's got nothing for God in his life. But what you could not have seen was what was working in here. 
what was stirring in my heart. And if you're one of those people that you got that stirring, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It may look all different on the outside, but you know what's inside. You know that stirring. And if you're a follower of Christ today, somebody stepped out of their comfort zone and shared his message of grace and mercy with you. They did with me. What if they would have said, he's not ready, I'm not going to say anything. But somebody got out of their comfort zone and said, you know what, my comfort is not as important as this guy who obviously looks like he needs God that may not be interested, but I'm going to say something. And they did, and it took. It took a while, but it took. Survey after survey, people say, I would go to church if somebody would just ask. That's all it takes. I mean, I ask people to do things all the time, don't you? You know, I want a large, not a medium. Give me, a, you know, upsize that. I mean, we ask people things all the time. And then there's, there's, there's thousands of people out there who are just waiting on somebody to say, hey, you know, I, I go to this church and I, I would love to say, I would love to have you. Won't you come with me? Just come with me. Most people who don't go say, somebody would just ask, I would go. People need what I have. That's what we learn from this story. I've got something people, if I'm a Christ follower, I've got something people need. You might think, me? I've got something people need? Yes, if you follow Christ, you are his plan to take that message of love and grace to the rest of the world. He chose us. Imperfect, messed up people. He said, I'm going to trust you to take this whole message of love and grace and mercy to the rest of the world. You people who have received it, you're the best ones to share it. You're the ones that need to go tell people, hey, you've got to get in on this. So when you think, what's our growth plan? It's in the mirror in your bathroom. That's the growth plan. That's God's plan to grow the kingdom. If I had something in my possession or in my knowledge, if I had something that, that, would, ch- that would change your life, if I had something that would cure something you have, an illness, if I had something that would be the answer to something that really gets you down, if I had that and I never shared it with you, what would you think? He's got the cure for cancer in his pocket. He's got the cure for this disease, that. He's got the cure for depression. It's all in his pocket, but he's not telling anybody about it. What would you think? And Jesus said, if I'm giving you love and grace, I'm doing it because I love you and because I want you to go let other people know about it. And at the end of this story, Jonah is ranting and raving about a plant that he's more concerned about than the 120,000 people in this city. 120,000. That's how many people live in Cary. I mean, and they all need God, right? I mean, (laughs) hopefully nobody is here from Cary. In fact, that's why Jonah is running, because he knows they need God. He knows what God's going to do, but he doesn't want God to do it. He didn't care if they were destroyed. He wouldn't have said it that way, but he didn't care. God says, speak to them. He says, I'm not going to do it. It makes me uncomfortable. In a sense, here's what Jonah is saying. They can all go to hell because I don't care. My comfort's more important. What I want is more important. So those people, they can go to hell. I don't care. What am I so concerned about? What is so concerning in my life that that I'm putting so much in front of what God would ask me to do if I followed Christ that that I would prevent somebody else by not speaking something that would keep somebody else from not experiencing the mercy and grace of God 
that I've experienced. I have to ask myself, am I ready to look at the rest of the world and flip them off and tell them to go to hell because of my comfort? Am I ready to do that? Nobody would say that. But man, I've acted like that before. Jonah's concern for himself caused him to miss out on the joy of seeing people change. There is no greater joy than watching somebody, the light go off, and them all of a sudden say, I get it. I'm finished exploring. That stirring inside of me, I see where it was leading me now. I'm in. I'll listen. I don't have to be perfect. That's great, because I'm not. And God will accept me. Awesome. How great is it? If you've ever shared in that with somebody, how great it is to be able to do that. Now, the last thing we find out from this story is God uses runners to bring other runners home. God used Jonah, this unwilling, passionless person, to win a whole city for him. God used Jonah, no passion for these people, in fact, animosity towards these people, to make a difference in 120,000 people's lives. What could God do with a group of people whose passion got ignited for a whole city who might be far from God? What could he do? If he can use a passionless person to bring about those kind of results, what can he do with people who said, you know what? There are people in my life that need to know about this. I'm going to say something. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. I'm not sure, but I'm just going to say it. What could God, Just imagine what God could do with that. No space could contain it. And this story ends with Jonah still running. But it also ends with a whole city of people coming to know God. Jonah could have enjoyed the fruits of what he did, but he didn't. But we can. So I want to challenge you. Just step outside that comfort zone a little bit. Just a little bit. Say something. Invite. We, we just got a whole, like 2,500 invite cards out there on the info. We go by and get a couple of those. Or 200, Whatever. And say, hey, let me just say, if you can't say of anything, just, you know, hand it. Don't, you don't have to say anything. Leave it somewhere. I don't know. But start stepping it. Let this be the week you say, I'm, I'm going to say it. Because I know you've been waiting. You've been waiting to say something. Let this be the time. God cares about people. And so should we. Let's pray. God, thank you for this story of Jonah. The way, uh, the way we just watch his life. And even though he ran. Even though he makes mistakes like we do, even though he was imperfect, you used him the same way you'll use us. And God, for the person that's sitting here today, that that stirring that was in my heart and has been in so many of our hearts, you know who they are, they know who they are. God, I pray you would stir in them the courage to take the next step. God, thank you for this great story that is really the story of all of our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.